In today's Tenant Cloud podcast, we're going to talk about whether or not you should allow pets in your rentals. You've heard the horror stories and you've been told how much damage pets can cost and to protect your investment and keep all pets out of your rental properties. But you may not have heard the entire story. In fact, you may be surprised to learn just how many landlords actually allow pets in their rentals despite the number of times you've been told not to. We'll cover those exact numbers in just a second in this episode where we cover the question, should I allow pets in my rentals? Hello, my name is Chris and I want to thank you for joining us for this value-packed Tenant Cloud podcast. With over a decade of property management experience, we bring you short and sweet, incredibly valuably packed episodes with information to help you manage your rentals more effectively in 15 minutes or less. In today's podcast, we're gonna cover this question, should I allow pets in my rentals, as well as the pros and the cons of being a pet-friendly landlord. And we have done a survey, which I'll cover here in a second, of tenant cloud users of how many landlords actually allow pets in their rentals. And you actually may be really surprised by what those numbers actually are, including how many people allow all pets, even those which are exotic, uh, not just your typical cat and dog type pets. So it's important to know that a lot of what you read online is typically the extreme scenarios. It's usually you typically read things about how damaging pets are, especially dogs, cats, and how they tear up blinds and there's pet urine all on the carpets and so on and so forth. And all of this excessive wear and tear that's caused by pets. And it's true. There are plenty of stories that you can find and you hear about it if you're in the property management circles. You're going to hear those stories because those are the ones worth talking about. It's not worth talking about. There's no value in talking about the tenant who moved in with a dog and then moved out and the tenant left the rental in the exact same condition that it was when they moved in. What's There is no story there, so you're obviously not going to talk about it. And the truth is, is that happens, that is the more common scenario than it is the uncommon scenario. And so it's important to put things into perspective. And so we're going to talk about some of those numbers here to help put that into perspective based on, to allow you to see how many people actually have pets and how many landlords actually allow pets in their rentals versus the number of stories that you hear about that are just the complete opposite end of the spectrum and are just terrible and everything's awful. You should never allow pets. It's a terrible thing and so on and so forth. And we'll talk here real quick about how you can hedge against potential losses and damages uh, if you do allow pets in your rentals. So, uh, one of the things that you can do to do that is obviously it depends on everything that we talk about in these podcast episodes and you'll hear me say this throughout them is it obviously depends on the region that you're in and a lot of that has become even more fragmented in the united states as far as laws and ordinances in various states and even cities as it relates to pets and deposits and fees and things of that nature. So obviously you're going to want to make sure that anything that you do ultimately end up wanting to implement into your leases is in accordance with your uh, region. So, But one of the things that a lot of people do when it comes to pets in their rental is they allow a pet in their rental 
but they require a pet deposit and pet deposits have a wide range depending on the type of pets that you allow, the size of the pets that you allow, and uh, the type of rental that you are renting out. And so because each different type of rental has different aspects to it, different risks and different levels of risks. For instance, if you have a house with a backyard and it's a single family home, it's detached from anything else, then obviously you're not going to really have a lot of uh, complaints necessarily from nearby neighbors who might live in an apartment next door and they complain constantly about a dog barking or whining during the day because they're trying to work from home or things of that nature. And so if you're renting out a single family home, your risk of allowing a dog to stay in the house in some aspects is much less and lower than it would be if you allowed a pet into a townhouse that's attached to other townhouses or apartments or condos. And so your pet deposit really needs to be reflective of the type of rental and the type of pet that you are allowing to be in your rental. And so it ranges. There's a wide range. I've heard of security deposits for pets ranging anywhere from $100 all the way up to $1,000. The more common ones, I believe, are typically more like $200 to $500 based on some of the surveys and research that we've seen. And some of that is cited in our Tenant Cloud blog posts where you can go and check out the various links to different research uh, and polls that have been conducted on these topics, but obviously 200 to 500 is typically the more uh, standard range for deposits, but that's not to say that you can't require higher deposits. And above and beyond deposits, a lot of times people charge two other fees related to pets that are not deposits, so meaning they are not refundable. A pet deposit... Uh, by default, a deposit has to be refundable, and so it can only be applied to damages, actual damages, and you have to document it and provide line-itemized uh, charges that you have deducted from the deposit and then return whatever the remaining balance is to the tenant upon move-out, whereas there's two other ways that you can recoup any potential damage costs caused by pets in the form of pet rent, and so a lot of landlords charge pet rent and it's on top of the standard monthly rent that they would charge just for the rental itself and again this is a wide range there's anywhere from i've seen anywhere from 10 to 100 dollars per month for pet rent depending on the type of pet that it is so if it's a uh, cat, it might be one deposit. If it's a dog, it might be another deposit. If it is an iguana, it might be a smaller deposit or it may be larger. I don't know much about iguanas. Uh, so you just need to determine based on the type of pet, if that's allowed in your region, that you're going to charge uh, this deposit or that deposit or this pet rent or that pet rent. And so definitely something to consider. And you don't want to incorporate that into your actual rent when you list the rental property. You can't typically just say, okay, well, normally I would rent my rental property for $1,000 a month, but because I'm allowing pets, I'm going to list it at $1,025. Well, you might get potential applicants or renters who don't have a pet and they might be they might not be interested in the rental because you are higher in cost than competitive properties nearby and they don't have a pet so that 1025 might actually put that potential applicant uh off to your rental and so it's usually 
a better practice to offer your rental at whatever the market rent is or whatever the rent that you are trying to achieve for your rental and then simply put in the terms of agreement that if you do have a pet it's going to be x amount additional so rent is a thousand dollars and pet rent if you have a pet will be 25 to 50 depending on the type of pet or how much it weighs or whatever uh, a lot of properties that i managed uh, over the years in the Austin area, we would do that. We would typically charge a pet deposit or pet rent based on the weight of the dog. Uh, not typically with cats, usually it was dogs because if it was a larger dog, then the theory was that, well, a large, larger dog has the potential to cause more damage. And so we would charge higher rates for those. The other thing that landlords typically charge when they allow pets in a rental is pet now, this is different than a pet deposit because a pet deposit, remember that by default, that has to be refundable. A pet rent is a pet rent charge. It's a monthly recurring charge. And then you have pet fees. And a pet fee is usually combined with the deposit upon or prior to move in where let's say you charged a $150 pet deposit and a $150 pet fee. Fee. And that fee is a non-refundable fee, which you keep regardless of any potential damages, even if the damages are minimal, excessive, whatever, it doesn't matter. You keep those pet fees. And that's what I have done over the years at a lot of properties is charge a pet deposit and a pet fee. And it was usually 50-50. So if it was a $500 total amount that the tenant had to pay prior to move in, $250 would be a deposit and $250 would be fees. We would keep the $250 in fees regardless of whether the pet actually ended up causing any damages. And so I think you might be starting to see the picture coming together where you can really hedge against any potential damages that might be caused by pets if you're charging the proper amounts, the proper deposits, the proper rent, and the proper fees to protect your investment against any potential damages that a dog or cat or any other type of pet might cause. So you may be interested to also learn, and this is the reason I wanted to cover that in advance, is because it's important to understand how important it is to actually at least consider allowing pets in your rental because approximately 67% of U.S. households own a pet. And dogs and cats are still the most popular pets to own. Again, you can get all of the citations and research and polls and all of that good stuff, the links to all of those places, if you go to tenantcloud.com forward slash blog. Uh, but again, 67% of U.S. households own a pet. That is a huge number of households in the United States that owns a pet. And so... I guarantee you that if you have more than a handful of rentals and you do not allow pets in your rental, you probably have a pet in your rental right now. In fact, there's actually been research that I've cited in some articles I've written uh, in the past where uh, there's even a blog on the Tenant Cloud blog called Your Tenants Are Hiding This From You. And tenants have said in multiple polls and research uh, that they have pets in properties that do not allow pets. And I think the number was something over like 20% of people who live in non-pet friendly rentals own a pet. And so uh, you probably have pets in your rental, even if you don't 
allow pets. And so since that's quite likely already happening, then it makes sense to just allow pets and then just require uh, the proper fees, deposits, and pet rent if that's allowed in your region. So just something to keep in mind. 67% of U.S. households own a pet. Cats and dogs are still the most popular pets to own. According to the American Pet Products Association, 42.7 million American households own a cat and 63.4 million American households own a dog. And another uh, interesting statistic is that 13% of U.S. households own exotic pets. And so pretty much everybody in the United States almost owns some type of a pet. So definitely something to keep in consideration when looking at your rental properties and trying to figure out if you're going to allow pets in your rental or not. And exotic pets can range from everything from tarantulas to lizards uh, to even tigers. Apparently 6% of America's captive tiger population only 6% of them reside in zoos, which means the rest, 94% of America's captive tiger population lives in private possession. So uh, that's a very interesting insight into pet ownership. Not sure that I would allow a tiger in my rental property. I'm not sure if that's even allowed, but uh, that's something very interesting to note. And in states like Arkansas, apparently you can keep a wolf as a pet, but no lions or bears are allowed. So, uh, yes, very interesting statistics on pet ownership indeed. Some of the things that you want to consider when it comes to pet ownership and allowing pets in your rentals is what are some of the, the pros to that? And one of those is... Pet owners typically tend to be longer tenants. They tend to stay with you for a longer period of time because people who own pets typically have very specific things they look for in a rental to accommodate their pets. And chances are they're trying to stay close to a job. They're trying to stay close to family or friends or to a particular part of the city that they like. And once they find that rental that has all of the accommodations for their pet and for themselves, it's easier for them to stay there because they're not guaranteed to be able to find as good of a rental that accommodates both them and their pets' needs, and so they tend to become longer tenants. And again, this is something that we've cited in a couple of articles on tenantcloud.com if you want to uh, check that out and do some research. Pet owners typically tend to actually be excellent tenants, especially those who are good pet owners, meaning you're typically going to want to require some type of documentation from the veteran, such as vaccine history or other veterinary records. And the tenants who have that information, the minute they walk in the door to apply for the rental or to tour with you and you ask them for that and they say, yeah, I'll send it over to you as soon as I get home. That typically indicates that they're good pet owners. They take care of their pets. And people who are responsible as pet owners tend to be good tenants as well. And especially if the pet is well taken care of, has all of its shots, has all of its vet records and all of that good stuff, uh, then that, that person is typically, you can be sure that that person is typically going to be a pretty solid tenant. The other thing that you can view as a pro, at least I, hopefully I think you would, is that 
pet owners generally make more money, uh, according to one study. And that means that you not not that you're going to go and increase your rent because you're allowing pet owners in your rental, but that means that the people who would be in the demographic that would rent your property potentially are going to have better financial security, which ultimately means a better long-term tenant who is less likely to default, uh, obviously taken into consideration with other things, but typically pet owners generally make more money. And so that's something worth noting because pet owners also typically don't mind paying extra money to get a more pet-friendly place and a pet-friendly place that meets their pet's needs, like I was talking about. And that's why they tend to be longer-term rentals, according to some studies. And so they know that there's going to be an additional deposit. They know that there's a chance that there's going to be a pet rent. They know that there's going to be probably pet fees involved. And they know that they're probably just overall going to be paying a premium to accommodate their pet in the rental property. So those are all the pros that go into allowing pets in your rentals or the potential pros. Now, obviously there are some cons and like we've already talked about, there are there is the potential for potential property damage. And so you have to be able to, to make sure that your rental property is uh, hedged against those potential losses by, like I said, charging the correct amounts, the correct deposits, fees, and pet rent. But not only that, maybe even making sure that your rental property itself is has materials in it that are resistant against pet damages. So uh, if you have carpet throughout your entire property, then maybe allowing dogs and cats isn't necessarily the best idea. But if you have vinyl flooring that is resistant against scratches and it's waterproof and so on and so forth, then chances are your risks for damages, extensive damages, especially to flooring throughout the property, it's going to be rather limited. And if they're planks, then you can usually pop them up and replace the planks individually. And so just different things you have to take into consideration and uh, try to protect your rental property against any potential damages and obviously carpet versus a hardwood or a vinyl wood flooring or even tile flooring is gonna those are going to experience much less damages typically than what you might experience if you had carpet throughout the entire rental and that not just damages in terms of like the pet chewing it up or scratching it up or doing anything like that. Pets typically just have tend to have odors and cats and dogs in particular constantly being on the carpet and going outside and coming inside and fleas and dirt and all of that good stuff is combined with carpet isn't necessarily the best combination. And so just Taking things like that into consideration is definitely important when considering allowing pets in your rental. Uh, and that also goes with things like pet hair. So if you are a hands-on landlord and you, which you should be, I hope you are, uh, but going and inspecting the rental properties and you are allergic to certain pets, then in those scenarios also, it's probably not a good idea to allow pets in your rental. Uh, if you are deathly allergic to cat fur, then that's probably you probably shouldn't allow cats and you should probably also put that in your lease terms uh, letting them know that hey i'm allergic to cats and they can't be allowed in my rental 
The other thing you have to consider, which I touched on this early on in the podcast, is some some things like neighbor complaints. So if it's a really heavy dog and you allow a hundred pound, one hundred pound dogs or heavier, or even seventy five pound dogs in your apartment, and it's the person moves in on the second floor, then the person on the first floor, whoever's beneath them, is probably going to hear quite a bit of animal noise because dogs tend to like to jump and bark and they just are really some of them are really heavy footed in general and so uh, if that dog is home all day and it's jumping on and off the couches or chairs or uh, it's just a very active pet then that can cause issues with neighbor complaints and that's just something that as a landlord you obviously want to try to limit that as much as possible so you're not having to uh play that role on a regular basis with your rental properties. So uh, just things to keep in consideration. So then the question is, how many landlords actually do allow pets in their rental properties? I've heard all of the horror stories, and then I've heard all of these positive things, and I've heard that I can hedge against potential damages, and I can protect my rental property, and I probably should allow pets from a financial perspective. So how many people actually do allow pets? So Tenant Cloud conducted a poll for landlords who use Tenant Cloud, and you might be surprised to learn that 28.9% of respondents said that they allow all pets. It doesn't matter what type of pet it is, they allow pets. I'm assuming that that means as long as it is within uh, their region's realm of what pets are legal. Uh, but they just allow all pets. Uh, then 41% of people said they only allow certain types of pets. So that's a good chunk of the respondents. In fact, that was the majority uh, response. 41% only certain types of pets. 16% said they only allow small pets. And so we didn't really define that in the poll, but they allow small pets. So whether that's small dogs or uh, whether that's cats and small dogs or whether that's just things like fish in tanks and iguanas and hamsters and things like that, uh, 16% just the smallest ones. And only 14.1% of respondents said they do not allow any types of pets in their rentals. And so that is a very small percentage of landlords who only who strictly say no pets at all in any of my rentals. So that's some interesting statistics for you to kind of uh, chew on and some information about pets in your rental and how you might consider allowing them if you don't already, or if you do and you've had bad experiences, how you can protect your investment against future losses when it comes to allowing pets in your rental. Definitely want to thank you for joining us in this podcast and hopefully the information that we've shared is valuable to you and uh, definitely would appreciate it if you could go on to uh, Apple Podcasts and give us a uh, review on there and share this with anybody that you think could get value out of this podcast as well that could benefit from hearing this information and we definitely appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us and we'll look forward to talking to you next time Five,